Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. We're singing for England, England, aren't we, Ben Haynes? How are you singing doing? Singing the song. Yeah, good mate. Really, really good. I, I, I was at the the Euros final at the weekend. Oh, watching all, the... all right, eleven a reef. All right. Yeah, mate. Look, if you was a real fan, you would have turned up, mate. Um, no, I was, I was at the final at the weekend. Then absolutely loving it, mate. It was it was quality. And now, do you know what's really crazy? Doesn't it feel like the um, the season's just snuck up on us. Yeah, it it has, hasn't it? It's it's been uh, yeah. It felt like it was away for for so long, and now you're suddenly like, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm like I'm ready. It's I'm come there. back at the right time as well. You know, yeah, lovely. Like it was it was wicked getting to watch the lionesses and actually having a complete sort of mental shift. You know, none of the like because we haven't had to deal with any of the weird stuff that comes with. The men's major tournaments, it's just been so uplifting and, and so positive. And we haven't had to do all the kind of strange transfery stuff as a part of it. You know how there's always, even at major tournaments, there's always like, oh, and do you think you'll be leaving X Club this summer? It's just like, just shut up. Let us all have a break yeah, for I a bit. I hadn't even it's thought about that. It's so nice. It's, really, it's a really good point because, yeah, you know, every time Kane scores a goal, it was always, oh, that'll get him on the radar of a few top clubs. And- <laughs> That sort of thing. Yeah. So if he's not on their radar already, they're not doing a very good fucking job, are yeah, they? Yeah, literally the worst scouting departments of all time. Have you, uh, you had a chat to your old mate, Jill Scott, yet? Um, n- I, do you know what? I haven't spoken to Jill since the final. Oh, is she I've airing her you, co- mate? Is she too big time She's now? too big time, that's, oh, that's it. it. Yeah, like, since, since, since she's like decided to go like shouting, fuck off, you fucking prick, at a load <laughs> of Germans, <laughs> she's come too big time. Wasn't that amazing, by the way? She trended, I think, like, after... <laughs> After the the top ranking things were like Euros win, England win Euros. Like number seven was like, or number six was Jill Scott, and then underneath you prick or something like that. <laughs> it's so funny. I think like I think so th- good. this was one of the things I found quite refreshing about it because it's things kind of because a lot of what you said there is very true. So I'm not like just uh, subtly mugging you off or anything with my next point I'm about to make. But there is there is <laughs> there is quite a lot. Of Invite this. me on here. No, well, there is quite a lot of this kind of like, you know, I just, you know what I love about the women's game is that like, you know, it's not all nasty tackles and handbags at dawn and all this sort of stuff. It's just, they all seem to get along and just play. It's like, well, number one, they don't like from even just the tournament I've seen, there's still a fair amount of like rough challenges and stuff. Oh, plenty. And also like, you need that bit of needle. And so it was good to see kind of, 
Jill Scott not just be like, oh, you know, not to worry kind Steady. of thing. Exactly. Like kind of getting stuck in and, you know, like, you know, um, what's her name? The, God, this is terrible. The, the American striker that Spurs signed. Uh, Alex superstar. Morgan, that's the T. Alex Morgan with the T. Like, it, it wound me up, but that's great. Like, I love that shit. I love that that, that still triggers so many people. You need that type of thing. You need to bring that needle into it. And Mate, can I can I can I do a little like ooh, story topper moment? I, 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 just on that, I actually spoke to her about the that's the tea thing. Did you? And we, and we had a minor disagreement about it, which is like as if I'm in any position to try and tell her anything about football. But like she basically had said that the media. She got more media attention for that in a way that she felt was unfair and that wouldn't happen to the men for doing the That's the Tea celebration against England and that it was sexist. And I said, like, with the greatest of respect, given that you've won the Olympics, the World Cup, like everything there is to win. (laughs) Shut up. No, no, I said with the greatest of respect, like given that you've won everything. I actually think because I mean, like you know, I've, I've covered the women's game for what, six, seven years. So this is coming from the right place. I actually think the biggest mark of respect that the English media could give to you is to treat you exactly how they treated you because you riled them up. You got under their skin, you pissed people off and you turned the English media against you in such a way that they went for you. That's what they do every single week in the Premier League. That is the biggest mark of respect that they could possibly give you that you got under their skin and you annoyed them and you scored the winning goal on the pitch that made the difference to to such an extent that they felt that they had to write about you. Like, what bigger cut through is there than that? Like, that's that's what it's all about. And, and how did she respond to that? Yeah, she didn't agree at all. But it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely fine because we were doing N17 live at the time. And it was like in between a break. And she's like, nah. And I was like, yeah, cool. Thanks, Alex Morgan. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED talk about why actually you're like completely in the wrong. She didn't it, go for it one bit. It's funny. It's, it's pretty mental, that one. Because, I'm, you know, I'm... I'm never going to claim to be like an authority on the women's game, but I'm also not completely outside of it. You know, obviously I've worked on it for a few years uh, in various different capacities and things like that and had a passing interest in it. I've gone to watch Spurs a couple of times. I've watched England, actually. I watched them in that Germany game, the friendly, not this one. At uh, Wembley. Yeah, the friendly yeah. at Wembley when it, when it first dropped and stuff like that. So I have got a, a sort of passing interest in it. And it, <laughs> It is just it was it was quite mad signing like Alex Morgan because Unbelievable. even as somebody outside that you're like well this is this is pretty much like Spurs signing Cristiano Ronaldo in the men's game for like now if we if we were signing him now do you know what I mean toward the sort of tail end of his career he sort of wants somebody in there it's it's signing in a I mean that's probably not the best comparison given Cristiano Ronaldo's off field alleged behaviour so <laughs> don't look into that any more than other than a non pitch capacity off, Johnny yeah but exactly I don't go do I shall I keep digging. Um, <laughs> But it was this. It was just. It was pretty mad, and it's kind of. Uh, it is. I don't know. It is good overall to see things growing into it because you know you're still kind of seeing a bit on social media. It's always going to be that kind of performative level of like, yeah, you know, ironing board memes and all that type of stuff. But it, I, I do like to think it is dying out a bit now because I think more than anything, it's just, it's just really boring, isn't it? That sort of stuff. Like. It's so, it's so, um, it, I mean, it's so like 80s, isn't it? It, feel, it? it feels like that generation of people have come and got, like uh, you, you and I, I mean, we're gently aging like fine wine, but we're in, a, we're, we're in that position where we are 
we've we've we're no longer in that generation of being just kids anymore we are in the generation now that defines the attitudes of of the time i think um we're, we're in that kind of middle group and it's suddenly becoming really really apparent to me or it certainly was over the course of this tournament i got into a cab and the the, the, the cab driver sat and he was like this women's football is absolute rubbish and i was like wow like you're so you're so lost. Like he was probably mid sixties. I was like, that is such an old school attitude. And we like, I mean, we kind of gently corrected him that he was in the minority as opposed to in the majority now. But it was really fascinating to think that people that are in their thirties, people that are maybe in their forties, they would have grown up hearing people say that sort of stuff. But it just, it, it's not the norm anymore. Like, it is changing. It's just, the change is just coming far too slowly. It's funny as well. Like, my, my, my dad, he's 17. He's not, the thing is, he's not, he's, he's sort of, he's, he holds a, the type of opinions that you'd imagine a, a man in his sort of, sort of, you know, late 60s to 70s does. You know, he's, he's probably not as up to date on a lot of things, but he's not, you know, he's not, he's not a bigot, basically. And he sort of went from being a bit like, well, I'm not, I'm not really asked about all this, you know, I, d- I doubt the quality is going to be as good and all that sort of thing to by the, by the end of it, you know, he was just like, this is brilliant, actually. It's really, really good. And he was watching it all and really sort of keeping up to date with it all and everything. And, you know, I, I just, I think that's, I think that's the best thing that we've seen in this tournament is that like the the quality has spoken for itself, I think. Yeah. And yeah, and I would do like that. That, mates, that fi- no, I was just going to say that final to me was brilliant, and I, I tweeted at the time, and I, I genuinely believe this that it was one of the best major tournament finals I've seen in a very long time. A lot of the men's major tournament finals now are just nervy, boring kind of affairs because nobody wants to put a foot wrong, nobody wants to kind of sort of stick their neck out. But this was like it was open, it was end to end, other than like the last sort of three, four minutes of injury time where we absolutely shit-housed it. But, I mean, that was brilliant. Even seeing that was just absolutely just phenomenal, seeing England being the team that does that for once. You know? Yeah, and, and also, far be it from us, Spurs fans, who watched Christian Gross's Spurs in the 90s to be talking about only <laughs> watching quality football. Yeah, like, yeah. get in the bin. Like, we have watched some absolute dross. I've, I've watched Spurs have a season where the top goal scorers have nine goals. Let's not let's not talk about quality. Yeah, I mean, well, but this is it. It's also like in the men's World Cup, with the greatest of respect. You know, we've seen some pretty duff. You know, the likes of New Zealand, North Korea, Costa Rica, and such coming into like the the World Cup, who are barely sort of being competitive. You know, so let's not pretend that every single game in the men's World Cup is absolutely highest caliber either. A hundred percent. And also the the, the thing, the argument that I always made, this was like, I've sort of made this for years. If we only wanted to watch football because, just purely because of quality, been off the Prem, been off the, the championship, been off everything, get Messi and Ronaldo to assemble their dream teams and we'll just watch them every week. But the point is you don't want to just watch it for the quality. It's all about emotional investment and it's all like would, you, would your dad have really come out and watched you on a Saturday morning when you were age five because he was impressed with the quality he's no of course not they come out and watch you because they care and and so really the difference maker and the reason why we all love going to watch Spurs is because you've allowed yourself to emotionally invest to such a point that it has an impact on you whether they win or whether they lose and so that's what needs to happen with with the lionesses now. Like that for me is is the next step. Is just instead of it being about like oh wow, well this could really change the game. It's actually now got to be more about 
right, all eyes on the World Cup next year, which is in Australia. So, I mean, it's going to be difficult to, to have eyeballs then anyway because of the timings of everything. But make a rival with the US. Turn this into like a big sort of ding-dong, a big clash, and, and, and make it all about the personalities that are going to be on the pitch. Make it all about the people that potentially might win it for England and why they're the best in the world and, and create those narratives, create those rivalries and it, and it can go, I mean, it will go like from not only being something that people talk about as like a great thing, they will just talk about the product because we don't, none of us sit here and talk about like, oh, isn't it great that the Premier League is such a massive product? Which is like I hope Spurs like put on a title challenge this year. Yeah, you know that that that's all you talk about. You don't do the kind of wider context thing. Anyway, I could I could I could bore you with this stuff all day, but it's just like it's been, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a really really nice different summer in terms of the football. It's been it's been wicked. It's a bit of a shame that old uh, Ash Neville didn't make the the team because from oh, what I mate. understand, she had an absolutely unbelievable season for, yeah. for Spurs. And, and and do you know what? I think that's probably for Spurs. That's got to be the next thing now. It's got to be... Because we, like, we had a really, really good season. I would say now it's got to be sort of pushing towards that idea of kind of a couple of marquee signings that you, you look at and it's like, wow. I mean, like you said of Alex Morgan, that was a wow moment, wasn't it? It, it, yeah, it, it was a time. case of like, can you believe that we've just signed Alex Morgan? And like, from what I hear, she actually did a lot of really, really good things for the women's team off the pitch I mean you saw when 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 she left the the way in which they kind of wished her well and stuff afterwards like it looks as though she was um yeah she was an absolute kind of force of nature while she was there do you have any insight into how the how 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 are the transfers kind of made in the WSL is it the same as the men's is it just a transfer fee or is it more of a a US sport type trading system Mate, it's mad. Like honestly, this is one of the things that I think is is really quite bizarre about women's football. Not a lot of people would know, but women's football is, is kind of, at least in the WSL, it's only been fully professional for a few years. Like it, it, it it's only just able to stand on its own two feet because there was legislation passed that meant that. People have to, um, essentially every club has to make sure that all of their playing staff are fully employed. So they're full-time, full-time pros. Um, but because of that, before, the actual contracting system was really, really weird. People would be given a one-year contract and that might be it. They get to the end of the year and then maybe renewed for another year or they just move on a free and then someone might offer them a slightly improved terms deal. We're only now finally getting to a point where players are being signed up on longer term deals. And even then, they're not huge. They're not like the men's where you might try and realistically, when you look at someone like Harry Kane, for example, you sign him up on a five to six year deal because you're protecting your asset. And, and you know that in theory, if he goes off like he did, that bids coming in need to be in the region of 100, 150 million, for example. In the women's game, it doesn't work like that at all. And we're only just starting to get to a point where there's like decent transfer values being spoken about. So it'd be interesting to see what happens now, because I think a lot of it has to do with how the players are marketed. That's what I say about the, the personalities thing. Like if you can make a player a personality and a cultural figure and actually have some sort of cut through, not just in the football space, but more broadly as well, I think you then get to a point where they're given longer term contracts and people are trying to tie them down to, for, at a club for five years. And then suddenly you get into the realms of then bigger transfer fees, which then gets more PR, more marketing, and it kind of the cycle starts again. It's, it's interesting. And 
I guess like you say is ultimately it's just about getting kind of get, growing the game in terms of like just having it more in vision right even even with this euros you know uh I was sort of talking to to Charlotte and my wife about this and you know we were saying that like even at the start and Ian Wright was kind of you know gunning after this at the, at the end like these brands and that they only jumped on right at the end a lot of them anyway oh, you know mate. we you you there wasn't kind of in the shops and all this stuff you know like you see ahead of a men's euros get your doritos or your pringles or your this or your that and there's harry kane on the packet and there's there's none of that yet still you know and it's <clears throat> i mean even if it if, even if it is coming from that bad place even if they are jumping on it now after the fact one might argue that at least they're coming to it now. Yeah, um, mate, totally. But uh, and, uh, there was a really interesting discussion. Sorry to long this out. No, no, There was a really interesting discussion around this the other day. So um, I don't know if you saw Cam... I think it was Hells, as in, like, you know, the... The, the, the Golden the Mead. Yeah. And yeah. Ian Wright sort of jumped on it. It was like, pay her. And, and if you're going to use her name, pay her. And there was a lot of chat around what what is good and what isn't good so is it is it good that they've jumped on board and are actually promoting her and it keeps the discussion going or should they be jumping in to to chuck a load of of money her way um and then the kind of real tragedy of it all and this is not me calling out any individual brands or kind of like sledging anyone but in my experience in the build up to the tournament every single one of the big brands went with a wait and see approach. They waited for other people to move first. They waited for other people to invest and they, they didn't really commit in a way that they should have done. And so actually we lost out on a lot and that will be an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people involved with the women's games who actually have to confront that really this could have been twice the size that it was because a lot of the big brands, I think, actually bottled it and didn't go all in and, and really try and push this because you watch even with the world cup in qatar which is surrounded by and clouded by so much um a lot of big brands will go headfirst into that and make sure that they have a presence on the ground in a country that is mired in so much of the, the kind of controversy that it is but that people didn't do it for something that was only positive you know yeah. Like it, it, I don't know many people that could name a, a kind of like a big brand that went that, that you you might get away with Pepsi because they put Leah Williamson on some posters on bus stops and sides of buildings and things like that. You might get away with Nike because they did the the kind of projected the images onto stuff and, and Adidas made some T-shirts and things like that. But it's nowhere near what they do for the for the men's World Cup, you know. No, and anyway, it, it's the Women's World Cup next year, right? Yeah, so that that literally next summer, and we, we, it was only happened this year because they had to move back the the men's Euros because of COVID. So then they slid the 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 women's Euros back. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what the uptake for that is, but you'd imagine it will be much bigger now. You'd hope at least, anyway. Um, and uh, I guess this is a this is a pertinent time to mention as well that the uh, the Tottenham Hotspur women's first game of the season against Manchester United will be played in the stadium as well. Um, Will you be there, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it, like, it's, it's one of those things that this, it's, it's a bit chicken and egg because a lot of people say, why don't you put the games on in the men's stadium? Like, then more people will come. And then 
when they put the games on in the in the men's stadium or at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, sorry, um, then maybe it only gets 20,000, 30,000 and 62,000 and people are like, well, how do we get more people to come? And it's kind of, it is that whole thing of it being a vicious cycle. If you don't do it, then people won't know to come and support it. But I'm hoping this time around, it will mean, because of everything that's happened over the course of this summer, people will, will flock to it. I mean, they've just they've announced that game, the England game against Germany at Wembley uh, in October, and there's like a waiting list of like 30,000 people online trying to buy tickets yesterday. So clearly there's an appetite there, and hopefully like hopefully having a game at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium again will, will, will drive an, another level of interest for Spurs, because women are doing brilliantly, man, and hopefully they can go on to, to another level next year. Yeah, it should be massive. I mean, if I recall correctly, because I went to the North London derby that they did in the in the stadium. Um, oh, did you? What did you think? First did you season, like it? I, they just, I think they didn't open the upper tier, if I if yeah. I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was Ramo. Like, it was, yeah. it's absolutely. I think Ramo. it's got the record. I think it's got the. I think it's got the record. Thirty-seven thousand. I think it is. I think it's got the league league wide record for biggest attendance at a, a women's game, which is sick. I mean, it's awesome. It's great that we've got it. You know. Um, and and it was a really good game that one as well. It was a really really it was good, good game. Although they did it again, didn't they? They're just they're really yeah. it's annoying. Like it's kind of watching Spurs Arsenal in the in the WSL now. It's a bit of a almost oh, God, a, a reminder a of like yeah, yeah of what it yeah, was yeah. like before. You know of being like oh they're actually big and scary in this league and yeah. horrible. Um, unlike their male counterparts nowadays. Like, who... are you ready for a bit of all or nothing? Are you? Oh <laughs> mate, I was just going to move on to that. Have you been kind of soaking, basking? in some of this cringy Arteta, Brent-type content that we're seeing sort of drip through at the moment. I find it, I'm, I'm am- like, genuinely, I'm amazed that this is the angle that's been taken on with the, the kind of a- approach of, here's how we say it's an all-or-nothing doc. I-, I find that really fascinating because with Spurs, I think, it, if I remember rightly, and I could be completely wrong here, but I think seem to remember them basing a lot of the teasers and the trailers about Mourinho and it being kind of like about his character and his personality and, and, and lots being sort of placed on him. Hmm. And Jose Mourinho is an enormous figure within the game. Whatever anyone says about him and, and, and what happened at Spurs, in terms of his history in the game, like unbelievable. Mikel Arteta, is, he's literally been around, what, Arsenal two years, three years? Like that's, Think that's so, no. yeah, yeah, near enough. There's yeah. no time at all, really, like to be kind of like pinning it on this kind of like my managerial philosophy is all about blah 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 blah, and then to think, I mean, you you know Harry Simeon, like he was he was um, who does a podcast called Chronicles of Aguna, he's a really really great guy and one of the few Arsenal fans that I will listen to about their opinions on things. Um, he's uh, he's absolutely buzzing to watch it, and I was like, really, like I would be trying to avoid that like the plague. Uh, like, like particularly, if, if we, if we, honestly, if we the bottled fourth place, like the way they did to us, there's not a chance I'm watching that all or nothing. Mate, I couldn't be further away from it. Like, I, I will, I will sit down and watch the epi- the the episode that covers May. Is it like sort of April May? I'll watch that in 4K in the highest res I can possibly get. Give me the 3D glasses. Inject it directly into me. I'm quite happy to. To soak up every last drop of that that game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium again, which I watched the highlights of again the other week. By the way, how good was that night? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I saw your tweet about it, and then I watched it again and just kind of soaked it in as well. It's just, 
I, I was saying at the time, and I still believe it now, it's a real... I think it was a real, real crossroads for for the club. I really do. Like, because, you know, there was so much uncertainty about Conte. I mean, if you even shelve that side of things, you've just had even Perisic this week say, you know, the second I found out that Tottenham were in the Champions League, my decision was easy, you know? It's a garden of forking paths, isn't it? Like, literally, we took the fork with the Champions League and they went down the other one. Like, and that could have so easily been us. Like, you think this fork might, the other fork might have led to to dad coming back this summer you know so yeah, you know, challenging uh, you know, challenging yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna kick that culture war off yet yeah i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> behind antonio conte until he walks out you've Christmas softened time. what's happened to you you've softened up what's you know what what am i gonna do just you know <laughs> dig my heels in and not 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 board the not board the banter bus toot toot you gotta get on board and just kind of have a laugh haven't you really because you, What's the point of having Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it also it helps fun at the moment. It helps that he's fucking quality as well. <laughs> Mate, and also just the way in which we're going about stuff and when you hear what people sort of say about him. By the way, can I just... I know I've texted you this already, but I feel like I should probably say it on record. Even Perisic at the moment. Like, I mean, A, what a phenomenal player that we've signed. Like, he's just an unbelievable player. And B, he is the most ripped up Adonis I've ever seen. It's unbelievable that picture of him that he posted in his pants, like <laughs> on his Instagram. I was just like, what? Yeah, this is uh, like I said to you. This is deeply troubling for me as a as a is like it's challenging me a lot as a heterosexual adult male. <laughs> it was quite funny. Did you see um, J- John Bass tweeted saying like, "I hope I look like this when I'm 33," and then in my case, <laughs> I'm 36. <laughs> it's just. So good. Uh, I mean, I, I think I'm 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 so excited about him. I mean, not in the in all senses, but in the in the football <laughs> sense, I'm incredibly excited about even Paris, which I think he is going to be. He's like like low key the signing of the summer. Like, mate, you got him on a general. free on a free. Mate, the way he like bounds at the ball like that, I'm kind of seeing. You know, there's. It's, I'm not. I'm not. He's definitely not on that level. Gareth Bale is one of the best players of all time, but he's like a kind of like you know a supermarket brand Gareth Bale. If well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Also, that you know that version of Bale when when he was like learning his craft and then suddenly was discovering that he was not actually super quick, but he was really strong. Like he, he, he kind of he, he bounces people. He drives into areas and then bounces people, and, and, and he's not afraid to front people up. And he cracked a shot the other day in the game against Roma from about 30, 35 yards with his weaker foot that like whistled just wide the post. I was like, I can't remember the last time that we had a left-sided wing-back or full-back that you thought maybe Christian Zieger. Do you thought, oh, get it, on, <laughs> get it out in front of you and have a crack? Like, what a blessing that's going to be this year, you know? Christian Zieger, who I, who I maintain still scored one of the best North London derby goals I've ever seen. Unbelievable. It was, unbelievable. It was like a 35-yard free kick. Maybe my childhood memory is warping that. Maybe it wasn't quite that far out. But I swear it was a very long-distance free kick. Well, yeah, and then the, the other one would be Eric Edmund. Oh, Do you remember that? Just got, and the noise, the noise it makes crack. when it hits the net. Anfield just silent. You just see this like... like oh, uh, delicious. So, so what is, it, is it the stanchion? Do you call it yeah. that? The bit in the back? Yeah. Oh. Oh. And do you know the the only sort of uh, I'd say sort of one of the only better ones in the world for that sound. You know the sound it makes at Dortmund. <laughs> like do you, do yeah. you, I've watched back a lot of times on the Champions League run when we went away to Dortmund and then especially when Haaland was twiting one in as well. Oh you know? my god! But which, we, we which had... goal is it? He scored. He scored that 
Was it against Real Madrid, maybe, when he absolutely thumped on him for Dortmund, when it looked like he was going to break the net? And and the sound of the rattle is just insane. But I remember in the game when we played them, um, and Hugo just had one of those nights where it was unbelievable. The whole of the defensive unit was incredible. You had Jan and Toby and Ben Davis just had a stormer. But then we got that breakaway goal. And if you listen back to it, and when Harry goes clean through on goal, it sort of feeds it in and the rattle of the net as that. I remember so vividly being like, job done. Because I thought if they had scored, and we were 3-0 we up on aggregate, if they had scored and they went to 3-1, there was every chance we could capitulate. But th- as soon as Harry scored, I was like, Matt, curtains, cheers. Matt, thank, you, you thanks for stopping by. I, I was... Uh... I was there. I was actually at that one in the UAE. Oh, mate. It was, mate, oh, it was, it was pure. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of high points on that. You know, we had Amsterdam, yeah. lest we forget, Manchester City. But that that one in particular, like you're saying, because there was still that kind of fear. Dortmund were like... They had they're, a great side. Yeah, and they're kind of... They were like our par, really. Do you know what I mean? Dortmund, oh, Spurs. Oh, my God, mate, do you remember? Kind of, you know... Do you remember in the build up to that game, you were like really not, I'm going to say cheesed off, but you were quite heavily frustrated by the fact that Dortmund were like the darling of, of football and everyone was like absolutely it just, it was, hyping the, them. The general sort of rhetoric around that one was that Dortmund are incre- this amazing, incredible team and Spurs will be lucky to get anything against them. I was like, well, let's, let's have it right. Like, this is yeah. a team that for the past few years has been finishing the top four of. The actual Premier League, like you know, <laughs> Dortmund still can't win the Bundesliga against Bayern Munich. We're we're playing against four, five different teams of like Bayern Munich's quality. So let's like let's not get it too twisted. Like Spurs aren't miles away from a club like Dortmund at all. Um, so you know, I mean, maybe maybe they've got more recent year kind of pedigree than Spurs overall on balance. But it I was think, insane you know, though, wasn't it? The way changed. that they tried to that oh, yeah. narrative was pushed. Was. I saw you set people off again the other day by oh, I've, I've tweeting that now. tweeting what, that one? video of like the goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, was it Anana trying oh, to like? I, I don't know trying how, to hype up the crowd. How I'd never seen that one. Incredible. I had no idea how I'd never seen it, but I, 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 I came across it completely by by it was just like a suggested video to me on YouTube. Um, I was I was looking just watching you know just getting sort of excited about it? the season. Is it the last five minutes? Is it the last two minutes? Maybe pretty, of pretty the much last three four minutes or so. Right. Um, and you see it kind of you just see Anana sort of wasting so much time, and it, it really reminds me of like that game. Obviously, I was pretty heavily intoxicated on <laughs> alcohol um, during that game, and just kind of an absolute bag of nerves. It, but it really does remind me how kind of little I remember of the actual flow of the game. Totally. You know? Totally. At all. Like, I, d- I don't remember any of that, like, Anana time wasting or anything like that. And I don't remember, like, the Ajax fans being that kind of, at least from the, from, I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was at the ground, but I was in Amsterdam for that one. Yeah. And a lot of the, like, the Ajax fans were pretty shtum. Like, you know, they were kind of like, they they didn't look like they were sort of, counting their chickens but it seemed like in the stadium you know well, I guess of course you're going to do that in the stadium aren't you that's the thing you know of course you're going to be sort of pulling your team over the line kind of thing um and this is yeah we've got to remember this was what the 93rd 94th minute yeah. that would have been taken so you are going to be thinking like we're on our way to a Champions League final and do you know I'll tell you what it really did obviously I don't I don't care that much because it's just it's the greatest night of our lives really but just thinking about imagine Imagine how much that hurt. Like being an Ajax oh, fan. Imagine oh. how much because 
that sort of thing could happen to Spurs. That's the sort of thing that would happen to us. Totally. Do you know what I mean? And so when I was watching that, I was thinking like, oh God, that's that's a nasty it, one. You do know? you know what? It's actually a little, it, it's almost a little too close to home, isn't it? Yeah. When you watch it, you're almost like, this is, this is actually almost a little bit much. Because yeah. you, you mm. don't want to bask in it too much. Because the thing that's quite funny about it as well, really, is that like, I think it is one of those games where they've got nobody but themselves to blame either. Like yeah. some of the defending yeah, yeah, was yeah. horrific from them as well. This is this is something I picked up kind of as I've, as I've watched it. Again. It's not to take anything away from kind of the fear, the spirit and the fight that Spurs put in in that game, but Ajax really kind of fucked that one up. Like, the- um, <laughs> imagine the, the imagine the kind of like. Uh, Post mortem that you would do if Don't. you were an Ajax fan on some of that defending. Well, imagine, like, if that was like, imagine, you know, if that's Dyer and Sanchez. You know, yeah, you you know we you know we would like. I, I found it hard enough to recover from the final, but imagine if we'd gone out in the semi like that, and and it had been that sort of type defending. Like I don't know. I don't know how, as a fan, you kind of would be able to reconcile, uh, like go again the next year. Do you know what I mean? And we like we found it hard enough, and we got it. To, we got to the final. It's it it funny because like Charlotte's Charlotte's half Dutch and she's got a lot of family out there. Um, we actually live in Amsterdam and her so her cousin's husband Remco, he's actually an Ajax season ticket oh, holder and he was at the sorry, game. Buddy. Yeah, he was at the game and we went round to see her Dutch family the day after the game. Um, and I was and I was just sort of saying to Char like, yeah, they were all happy to see the family and everything, but I was like. Man, Remco must have just been like these are literally like the last fucking people I want to see. Please don't today. bring them to my home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. we were just we didn't mention it. Do you know what I mean? It was one yeah, of those, you, you don't even want to do that. Oh, good game, mate. You know because no, it's no, no, patron- no. nobody wants don't, that. You know, don't, don't. I, I, I like and and I remember you saying to a friend of ours, listen, at the final, whatever happens tonight, like just just don't talk to me. Like you don't understand because the friend, this friend of ours is a Liverpool fan, so it's like. For you, this is another European final. To us, you don't understand w- what this kind of means one I'm, way or the other. I'm pretty other. sure I told him. I'm pretty sure I texted him. I said, like, if you make fun of me tonight, mate, I will never speak to you again. Like, <laughs> you know, and I, I, was, I was definitely serious about it. Definitely Nobody, serious. Yeah, yeah and like, with, for good reason. For good reason. Because it's like, it, 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 it's, tonight is not the night. Yeah. Tonight is like save, he used save to, it. The, the backstory to this, he used to like really revel where Liverpool would be as in sending me like, he'd, he'd always like, he'd always like, Copy and paste like one of my tweets ranting about it, and then just do that little, you know, that little dancing salt shaker gif. Oh, like, yeah, God's sake! It like, and the thing was, is like Liverpool. We've got a trash record against Liverpool anyway. You know, it's not like it's not. It's not like it's a shock for Liverpool to beat us. I could like literally. I've watched Spurs at Anfield for what, what thirty-two years. I've never seen us look was, there was something mad, I, I, I saw the stat like, like the last time it was something like I think we've beaten them like four or five times <laughs> at Anfield since the sinking of the Titanic you know like, oh man it's so trash isn't it but yeah. it's it, it, it then means that it's like look listen to us we're going full Hail Mary territory here like we've the fact that we're in a final is mental anyway like you you need to let us have this and, and if you like stick it to us at all tonight it's unforgivable I just I wouldn't be able to get over it. Thankfully, he didn't, which is good. But I'm so I'm so excited to be back in the Champions League. Oh I, I bang on God. about this about on, on pretty much every single episode. I'm sure everybody's bored of hearing Why how not, excited man? I am about the Champions League. But it just it's it might even do you know what? I, I 
It's a danger. It's 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 very different. But I might do you know. I might actually prefer it to the World Cup nowadays. Tottenham in the Champions League. There's something about the World Cup. I love seeing the whole country kind of alive. Yeah, and yeah. the pubs bustling and everything like that. But with England football, with the international tournaments, what I will say is, when England lost the Euros final, I was over it the next day. Tottenham in the Champions League final, I'm still not over it. Mate, I've got, I've got a great question for you. We did this in the office the other day. Mm-hmm. If you had to rank out of 10 the euphoria you would feel with England winning the World Cup mm-hmm. and then had to rank out of 10 the euphoria you would feel with Tottenham winning the Champions League. Well, Tottenham winning the Champions League is 10. Yeah. And so in comparison to that, I don't want to say England winning the World Cup, 6. Really? Yeah. See, I think for me it might be an, an 8 or something. But even still, it, it was only when I kind of confronted that question that I was like, oh my God. Like, it, if, top, if Tottenham were to win the Champions League, like, that, that it was so deeply intertwined with our independent personalities, characters, identities, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's so, it's such a deep part of who we are that, like, I think winning the Champions League, I just don't know. I, I think there, 40 years from now, you'd still catch me on. YouTube or TikTok or whatever the dominant social media is at the time. If we had won, I would be watching the highlights once every other couple of weeks. It's, I mean, the thing is, I'll probably still be watching the Ajax highlights even then, even knowing what came yeah. till the day I die. You know, it's just, it's going to be one of those things. That it's just, but it's. That's probably why you're so excited for it to be back, right? Because we've now got, not only is it fun to be in there, but we've actually got pedigree. Like, we're no longer, we're no longer, oh, Spurs, how, how lucky for them to be in the Champions League. It's like, no, we're like in this competition. We've got something to dig our heels into, you know, because we always had before, like the kind of the UEFA Cup and like the Cup winner covers that and all the, the kind of the things of the past. But we, the Champions League is a very, very different and separate thing, and we are now, I would argue, a big side in the Champions League. Oh, big time, one hundred percent. It's it's funny because it's not even like our run to the final. I mean, yeah, it was fortuitous in that year, but we've been building up to that point at least getting to the latter stages of the tournament you know we we well, I think we've made a semi we made a quarter final we've gotten to the second round a couple of times like you know we we're not just kind of that Leverkusen or Leon that kind of got there or you know winging a prayer got there once had our day in the sun and then disappeared again you know uh, no 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 we're a proper like establishing this is the thing yeah okay you know it's it's been largely kind of the UEFA Cup Europa League latterly but we're an established European team. Tottenham are a European side. Yeah, we don't have the same kind of pedigree as a Liverpool, an AC Milan or something like that, but we're still a team that's got silverware in Europe. Arsenal don't. Arsenal are a great team, but they're not they're not really a European team. I don't look at Arsenal and think, oh, they're they're a big European side, but Spurs are. The white shorts under the under the sort of floodlights midweek oh, at White Hart Lane. It's, it's what it's all about. It's what the, it's one of the kind of founding pillars of the club's identity. And that's just why I get that's why I'm still even when we do sort of fail to make the Champions League, I never really scoff at the idea of being in like even the Europa League. I know a lot of people don't like it. They think it takes up too much time, but I love it. I just, I love the whole yeah, kind of the theatre of European nights. football. It's, it's amazing. And like, it's, to me, it's like, like I say, it's, it's, it is that, it's just such a, a huge part of what Tottenham are as a football club that we should never take it for granted. And it's, you know, I, I just, I, 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 you know, I can't wait for it. Also, I mean, this is not, I'm not just utilising every opportunity I have to kind of stick the boot in on Arsenal not making the Champions League, but Arsenal were a big team in the Champions League. 
they the, under Wenger when they kind of had some of their bigger nights. I mean, when they got through to the got through to the final themselves, they had their kind of big night against Real Madrid where Henri scored. They were a big Champions League side. I mean, they even had the game when when you know Fabregas played with a broken leg against Barcelona and scored the scored the penalty. I mean, they feel so far from that right now, and we are so in the sweet spot of of being in that mould at the moment because of reaching it this year. It, it's like it makes it all the more special. I just can't hearing that music again under the lights, all white kit, like you said, and with the team that we've got at the moment, mate, as well, and the depth that we've got. Suddenly, you're like Jesus, we can actually have a good crack at everything. Do, do you know what else is quite delicious, mate? Is for because what you say is completely true. But I think it was what ten seasons they finished in the Champions League and we didn't ahead of us. Yet uh, you've got onto the final just as many times as little old exactly. Tottenham lads. Just as many times, but that's it. I just it's it's on another level for a club like Liverpool. But I still think I think we've seen it. We've seen it kind of in the Redknapp <clears throat> era. We've seen it kind of under the Pochettino kind of times a couple of times that there is still something about Spurs in Europe where I do think we've got a bit of an extra kind of gear that a lot of clubs don't have and whether that's because like I say because we talk about club DNA and things like that whether it's because it is just so enshrined in our DNA that you know without European football this club is nothing you know it's like we just it's it's a part of us and it's, we, we love it you know and that's maybe that does oh, give us man. that kind of extra extra push that a lot of clubs don't have Defo you know? Defo I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of, I mean, uh, it would be an interesting one. We sort of played a kind of a, an almost a U- Europa League lower Champions League group game against Roma the other day. I know it was only a preseason friendly. Um, I wasn't, to be honest. I'd, I've got that side of me where, you know, the emotional side, I never like to see Tottenham lose. I just don't like it. You know, yeah, I, I, course, I don't like it. I know it's a preseason friendly. It doesn't mean anything. But there's also levels of not liking it. And, you know, Really, in truth, not that asked about losing a preseason friendly. A lot of people seem to be quite annoyed about it, but that's just kind of yeah, really? that's what Twitter's oh, like. God. But do you think? Do you think Conte was secretly annoyed losing to Mourinho? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, possibly... The the thing that I took away from it, though, which is like, I mean, again, I don't want to come off snarky or like I'm being an, an, an arsehole unnecessarily, but I watched Roma and they put 11 behind the ball in a pre-season mm. friendly and tried to literally see, the, like they tried to see out a 1-0 and uh, this is like a nothing game and that's what you want to do for 90 minutes. I I, I just... My overarching takeaway from that, to keep it positive, 
is thank God Antonio Conte is our manager going into this season. You know, I know I know watching those two teams, which manager I'd like to have in our dugout, you know, and it's Antonio Conte every day of the week. And it, I mean, it's an it's annoying that we it's annoying that we we lost that one. But I have to say, the Rangers game I thought was such a good test. Physically, they because they were obviously a week ahead, like you said on the pod last week, a week ahead of us, and we got for 60, 70 minutes, we got a real Premier League game. You know, we, we they felt like a Prem game, and the way that we had to kind of like problem solve and overcome it and make sure we got the win felt it, it to me. It had that. Do you remember we always used to do a home game right before the beginning of the season? Yeah, yeah. And it was usually against, it was usually against like Roma or Sevilla or whatever. And I remember there was one year that David Bentley scored from like <laughs> 25, 30 yards. And we were like, oh my God, we've got the next Beckham. But um, this, that to me, the Rangers game felt like it should have been the final game before the season started. That was like perfect. You know, we'd gone mm. and done the tour. We're back on semi home soil. We're now ready for the season started. It almost felt like to then go away again. I understand the obligations that we have and how good it is for the club to be seen on the international stage and kind of people seeing them all over the world. And they do some amazing work while they're out on the tours. It's just that you then have to kind of like pick yourself up and go again for another international trip when you've just been away for kind of 10 days or wherever it was. I'm not too phased by the, the Roma game at all. I'm sure Conte secretly will be sitting there being like... Because it, I, I was listening to um, you and Ricky last week and you were talking about their kind of interaction, Con, Conte and Mourinho's. And, and one of the things um, that you left off, and I was screaming, I was listening to it in the car, I was screaming at the radio, I was like, please say it. Um, it was Conte's quote, he's a little man in the past, he's a little man now. And he'll be a little man in the future. <laughs> and I was like, yes, so good. But it, but I, I, that will be the only that will be the only part of it. I think that that will bother him. We'll be losing to Mourinho. I don't think I'll be too concerned about the way the team performed because we should have had like, two penalties and we had some sketchy offside calls as well. I'm I'm not too phased. I don't know. What about you? Oh, you know, uh, it, it might be. Is this this is probably a bit of a Brentley management speak type approach to things, isn't it? But you kind of feel as well like if you've got a bit of a mixed bag of pre-season results you're going to learn kind of a lot about the team and you're going to be able to already throw up situations where yeah we we always know that we struggle against low block teams right and we struggled again against a low block team so it's looking for solutions in that kind of you know in that type of game and yeah okay we did we didn't seem to find any on, on on this occasion but Hopefully, you know it's it's been it's provided some food for thought and something that we can kind of because you know there, there ain't going to be uh, now with old Sean Daishi, um out of a job for now. There's one less in it. <laughs> exactly, you're not going to find many more masters of the kind of low block shit housing than you are Jose is Mourinho. It, you know, has anyone has anyone done enough in preseason for you to turn around and you be like, you are there on match day one? Uh, I might stick my neck out and say Harry Kane. No, I, I mean more in the sense <laughs> no, like of anyone either. from the Norwich game that was anyone from the Norwich game. So we finished with the Norwich game. The only slight change was that I think Romero was still injured. Is there anyone that we've bought that's done enough in pre-season to be like, okay, you can nick someone's spot? I mean, I don't know if it's just about in, in pre-season or not, but I mean, Perisic is there, right? Yeah, like, I agree. He's, he's, totally. he's just, I think he's, I think it'd be naive to suggest, to think he's anything other than already one of our very best players. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. He's a yeah, world class footballer, so he's got to be in there. And I think it's good for Sessignon to have somebody like him to learn from. We've already heard that he's doing that. 
Um, I will be interested to see what happens. I, I, I would guess it's going to be Doherty that he's going to start with. Um, because, you know, I, I, I don't know, people are sort of digging out Romero a bit in pre-season. And I don't, I don't think that's, you know, I'm not saying the opinions of people on Twitter are going to be influencing Antonio Conte. I just mean it more as in like, he, we sort of, we don't... The thing I find about, about Romero is that I've watched him play so many times now... And I still don't really feel like I've got a proper handle on like how oh, wait, good uh, em- how good. Do you mean Emerson? Is. Emerson Royal. Yeah. Have so, I said Romero again? Yeah, yeah. I keep the, I fucking the amount of times I've done it, mate. I'm such a fucking David Pleat on this. <laughs> Emerson Royal. Emerson Royal. That's Royale. Pascal Chabamba. Oh, mate. Okay. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to get my head shut because it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm digging out like one of our best players constantly. People go, yeah. "What is this?" What's this mug keep digging out Romero? <laughs> it's absolutely quality. Yeah, no, but it, let me just get this completely right. Christian Romero, I think, is probably going to be one of the best, considered one of the best centre-backs in the league, undeniably. if not in Europe this season. Totally. The lad is absolutely phenomenal. <clears throat> Emerson Royale, yeah, I'm not so sure. He's very, like, the, the thing with Emerson is that it feels like a lot of what he's doing, it feels like he has to try so hard to get it right. You know, sometimes you just see those players who are just naturally beautiful on the ball. You know, they, they kind of every time they strike the ball, they caress it. John Arnarisa, for example, one of those players that just like they, they, they don't they don't sort of roll the ball they stroke mm. it you know for, for him it doesn't come I don't, I don't think it comes that naturally I don't, I don't think it look, he doesn't look like someone that when he gets into an advanced area you think he's just going to get this one out of his feet and absolutely whip it and for from because of that I think it makes it harder to actually kind of take on board how productive he is and I'd argue that Actually, Doherty put himself in a position at the back end of last season where before the Villa game where he got clattered so unnecessarily. It was such an unnecessary challenge to to smash his knee in like that. Um, Before that, he'd started to establish himself in such a way that to me it wasn't even a discussion anymore. I don't know whether that was the same for you. No, yeah, he um, he he started to look really very, very good. Very functional, wasn't he? Like Very efficient in that in that role and he's clearly a really good element I mean both to be fair both players are very good elements in the in the in the kind of changing rooms by the looks of things so I mean I, I don't know if you sort of think it was Alistair Gold was saying that there's no rush to sell either of them you know there's no. been this kind of talk all summer of like who's going to make way are we going to get rid of Doherty or Royale but well, Matt, going anyway. I, I don't know Matt if people sort of people probably do know this but Matt Doherty's very close with Harry Kane um and so from from that point of view, even if you're just kind of talking about team camaraderie, team building, etc., like it, it's good to have, it's good to keep your best player fundamentally. It's good to keep them happy as well. So even aside from the fact that Doherty is probably at the moment our best right wing back, he's also best mates with our best player. You're saying he's the new Tom Carroll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gone through quite a few now, haven't we? Of these kind of like friendships where you're like, oh no, they're they're keeping each other happy, and then they end up moving on. It's always fine anyway, because at the end of the day, they're professional footballers. But it is always nice, I think. Like I always go back to that. Um, I always go back to that bit in the All or Nothing with us, where Christian Eriksen's sort of watching the, watching. Is he watching Sky Sports News? And he sort of makes that joke. At, that Harry Kane is like, yeah, that's like. 
someone's going for like 50 million pounds and he's like yeah that's like one of your legs harry yeah. to him and, and then harry's like oh yeah and ben davis sort of like gently chuckles you just like that's the most gentle table in terms of banter that i've ever seen in my life <laughs> just those three just seem to give mildly ribbing each other she's really nice I'll tell you what wasn't nice, mate, seeing Christian Eriksen in a Man United kit. And oh. I didn't think I'd be that I didn't like I didn't think it was gonna be pleasant, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I didn't think I'd be that arsed, but then seeing it I was like nauseating. Mm, this is a bit grim actually. Like it's it was the colour, isn't it? Yeah, and there's just also something like patronizingly like comfortable about seeing Dele go to Everton. But like seeing Christian Eriksen go to a club where he might like do something significant in a game against us, you're just like that's a good point I never even thought about it like that I hadn't even allowed myself to think about it like that that it might be that when we play them like because you know when he was at Brentford and we gave him that lovely ovation in the corner and you were like oh well that's nice because we like I mean we're bigger than Brentford you know like with United it's gonna you're right there'll be a level of discomfort there won't there when he's standing over a a corner and like someone pro- makes pro- that probably not a corner but, no no yeah. i was gonna say we'll all make <laughs> we'll all make that joke we'll be like oh let's see if you beat the first no. man and then he caresses it into the six yard box and he gets headed in by marcus oh, rashford like why that'll you, be why have, why have you put that out there why have you put that out into the universe i'm literally talking it into action now do you know what you're it is? manifesting it's like, it yeah it's like bet- it's like betting against your own team just so you're always covered. You always say, oh, well, I, knew th- I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen anyway. That's going to um, be the FA Cup semi-final, isn't it? No. Tottenham do you United. remember when we went oh. to that one? Do you I remember do, when we went mate. to that? So that was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. Because we were so stadium. good at that point. I remember going well, into that game, like, we're going to win this, we're going to win this. And then I just remember turning up at Wembley and suddenly there was just a funny whiff in the air of like, yeah, well, oh. well, actually, Tottenham against Manchester. I know they're, they're banter United now, but... It's still Man United at Wembley, the team we've all grown up seeing win basically everything. Oh, and we, it just felt like we'd suddenly shriveled. We suddenly carried that, didn't we? Of like, It was weird. They no right. Was it Herrera who scored the second one? I can't remember. But and the, it like I, went through someone's legs. I remember like, it mostly for like Musa Dembele. It was almost like uh, kind of the death of Musa Dembele in a way, you know. Like gave it to just, Pogba, didn't he? Oh, he didn't even give it to him, mate. He just got completely mugged off for it. Like, Never it was, seen him dispossessed no, like that. No, it was, ho- it was horrible. I, like I say, I've always, it's always stuck out for me. I remember a game against Norwich um, at home and Ledley King. It was sort of toward the tail end of his career. And it was kind of that point when it was so uncomfortable just seeing like, yeah, he's he's done now. He's struggling. What is it? What was that horrible striker that Norwich used to have? Bradley is it Bradley Johnson, was he called? Big horrible shit house player. I mean Oh that. god, I think I think I know who you mean. Yeah, Bradley Johnson. And he gave Ledley King a torrid afternoon, if it, if that's who I remember correctly. And it was just uncomfortable to watch. It was horrible yeah, to watch. Yeah, someone that's so special to you as well. Yeah. It's like that story of Gary Neville, you know, when he said that he was at West Brom and he was sitting on the toilet and was like, I've got to retire now at half-time. He said he got done so badly at, uh, away at the Hawthorns that at half-time he went to take a dookie and, was like, and he was like, no, nah, enough's enough. But Alex... <laughs> well, I mean, you do some good thinking on the shitter, to be fair. Yeah, you know, like... so it's, it's really nice me time, isn't it? I mean, I know, like, not to lower the tone too much, but I remember you and I having conversations about this a lot. That it's really like it's one of the few places in the world that you get total me time now. Sanctuary, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Some of your most creative, creative thoughts there. Oh, big time, big time. Some of the, you know, like Spurs wipe. You know, it wasn't the only wiping going on when I was thinking about <laughs> most of that. You know what I mean? Like, that's, 
Is that is that why is that why you've retired from Spurs? Right? You had you did you dropped it and then thought that sitting on the shitter, that's it, no more, no more shitting. Um, I can't believe it. Ricky is so right. I can't believe that you've said that Spurs wipe is is no more. I was I was kind of hoping there might be, like I don't know, one more of them in you or like one more that you might just be like, oh go on, I just I give it do, a go. I might, I might, you know, it's one of those things. But when you get the itch, maybe. But it's it's more kind of twenty twenty was a different year. Do you know what I mean? It mm, was. Yeah. There's a lot more kind of you know. You know what it's like doing yeah, these type of I, jobs. I know, yeah, you're at, you're yeah. back and forward. You're editing all the time, and then the last thing you really want to be doing is kind of right. I'm going to sit and film and edit more stuff now in my kind of free time, and also what free time you have. Like you know, in that in 2020, we weren't nobody was allowed to leave their houses or anything like that. You know, and there's only so much Netflix you can watch and whatever. So yeah, it kind of it just lent itself to it, and I guess kind of the overall mood of everything felt like it would be more accepting of it at that time. You know, and yeah, I'm not, totally. Not 100%. It would be quite like that anymore. Kind of, I mean, this is something I wanted to talk to you about, actually, really, because it feels like I'm really sort of pumped about this season, right? I feel like we've done some really good business. We've added some great players. Yeah, all right. People sort of are, are intent on saying it's not a 10 out of 10 window, but, you know, like, just grow up a bit, you know? Like, you can't expect, you can't just be like, oh, it's a crap window because we didn't add or yet anyway at the time of recording we didn't add an 80 million pound center back or a 60 million pound creative attacking midfielder you know it's just it's just it's not it's not how football works like you, you see Chelsea yeah Chelsea's on a couple of center backs but you know a, a lot of their fans aren't happy with their window Manchester United fans aren't overly happy with how their window's gone you know you can you can keep kind of going through this and I know you want to sort of be looking at your own team but we have we have objectively made some very good signings and we've got a very good manager we've got a, a manager that turned a team that hasn't even got half the talent that it's got now into a team that looked that was in sort of you know top three form uh, so I, I don't see what there is to be unhappy about but I guess sort of my long-winded point is like uh, do you think some of this could be a consequence of the fact that we did just get our business done really early. We did it really efficiently. We've given them the kind of the summer with Conte that everybody's banged on about. But since we've done that, it seems that people aren't happy with that now. Yeah, well, the, game, the gamification of the transfer thin window is one of the worst things to ever happen to football. It's, it's really quite frightening the way in which um, not only people sort of speculate, talk about transfers, etc. now, but the fact that it, it, you no longer have to look at it as as getting hold of players that are fit for purpose. It's actually just about who can get the shiniest new toy and the most expensive thing. And then once you get the most expensive thing, you have to immediately be mugged off for spending money. Like it, it's so, it's so so strange. I find the whole thing completely bizarre. I noticed that, like Spooky sort of gone into bat a few times for for Spurs' transfer window and I've got enormous admiration for him for doing it because it's it's literally thankless the idea of saying anything mm. positive about the way that Spurs have operated, which is crazy to me because we all know how good it was at the at the beginning of the transfer window. And the main thing for me is like have we gone out there and got hold of people who are fit for purpose in the positions that we need that strengthen our team significantly strengthen our squad sorry significantly and the answer to like every single one of those is absolutely yes so we needed a backup for Harry Kane we were all worried about 
Harry Kane, what if he gets injured? What if we, he can't play every single minute of every game? Which he can't. Cool, we've got Richarlison. We needed another dynamo in midfield that's able to carry the ball great. Well, we brought in Basuma. And we're now in a position where we've got Skip, Basuma, Bentancur and Hoybier. Oh, we need a world-class or an elite-level uh, left wing-back. OK, we went out and got Perisic. Like, it, it, we got Longley as a, as a as sort of a, a, someone to challenge Ben Davis. Like, it, for me... The thing that's bothering me is that I feel like people have lost sight of what's important, which is being able to manage 60 games in a season. Like, there's no denying that Spurs have got, in terms of the, 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 the starting eleven, one of, I would say, the top three starting 11s in the league. Like, we're, we're behind City and Liverpool, fine. That's absolutely fine. Like, but because we've shown that on our day, we can still do them over. Last season, we had four very good games against those two sides but what people seem to forget is is that where we come unstuck is when we get to that point where players are having to run themselves into the ground and you've got a player like Sonny who's unbelievably good world class but occasionally might just need to have five minutes rest do you know what I mean like we 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 haven't been in a position to do that because we've never had the the depth of squad to be able to do that or certainly not in in recent history and now it looks like Conte's working the players to that point where they're in uh, like just incredible levels of fitness. It's so crucial to be able to play in the same way week in, week out, whether that be in the Champions League or in the Premier League. For me, the business that's been done is, is bang on the money. Of course, I'd, like, if, if someone said, oh, would you like to have another player that walks into our first team and we go and just drop 50, 60 million on them, maybe, I don't know, like a, 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 an, a like top, top, top left-sided centre-back to come in of course you take it but I don't know why anyone is turning their nose up at what we've done like you said it's recency bias and it's this tragic thing of kind of like needing the shiniest toy right now god forbid you have like someone that was signed a week ago you need to consistently be signing people all the time otherwise it's not enough it's just so strange isn't it I do also think, you know, on a, on a certain level, I do think like a lot of Spurs fans are just a bit rattled by like how good Arsenal have looked in pre-season. Do you I reckon? Think, yeah, I think it's kind of just that. And you've just got to kind of switch off from that shit, man, because Spurs have looked amazing in pre-seasons before and had, I think it's our two points from eight game season was, you know, the Roma game you're talking about. I think we beat them like 5-0 with David yep. Bentley. Yeah. We looked unbelievable. Mate, unbelievable. I've watched Giovanni Dos Santos tear it up in preseason. Yeah. You know, Do you know it's what I mean? just, and I'm sure, right, Arsenal might be good, but as I keep saying on here, Arsenal don't have Kane, they don't have Son, they don't have Romero, they don't have Hugo Lloris. Like, they're not that good. Like, they're good. I think they're kind of, they're moving in a sort of, Positive direction for them, but they, we, that's, that's not what Tottenham should be worrying about right now. Like We're clear of them. We're like worrying about capitalising on Chelsea now. That's yeah. that's who we've got in our sights, you know? Literally, Arsenal are challenging to try and be in the top four. Spurs are going to be the best of the rest outside of City and Liverpool. And to start to bridge that gap, which was last year, was 18 points between Chelsea and Liverpool. This year, it needs to be less than that. And it needs to be Spurs that's third and not Chelsea. Delicious. Um, I guess just very, very briefly, mate, because I don't want to hold you for too much longer. Match day. Match day. Yeah, we cannot, we cannot avoid this. The first game of the season is just on the horizon. 
We've been, I've just enjoyed talking to you so much, mate. We've not really even spoken about mate, the I'm game so that's sorry. coming up. I literally but took us off to some horrible places. But it's great, this. mate. It's great, you know, and it's it's kind of, you know, sort of the way I've cultivated this pod, really, in a way, because it's just it's more fun to have conversations like this, I find. Oh, um, mate, love it. Absolutely love it. But no, I am buzzed for this weekend. What, like, what, absolutely buzzed. Just from your sort of perspective, your capacity and everything, what, what's it look like for you a match day? Because I thought that might be quite interesting to have a little insight into into how that goes. So, I, do you know what? It's, it's, I've never really thought about that. But it is quite, it is quite a cool experience to get in there on match day and see the stadium come alive. Because um, I'm doing sort of the N17 live shows, I think. I'm not 100% sure. So, please don't fire me, Spurs, if anyone's listened to this and I've given out the wrong information. But I think it's going to be on Spurs play this year, N17 live, so that like you can get we, we can go a little bit deeper on it and people that have obviously signed up for Spurs play get a little bit more exclusive content etc um but basically i rock up a few hours before the game and on the first day of the season i always make a point i've done this kind of like or i did this for the last three three seasons almost so the project restart and then the two seasons starts four i always make a point of going in and just kind of like wandering around the stadium when it's empty like just just having a little loop around and going into some of the different sections of the stadium where there's going to be either like the flags or there's going to be a tifo and just kind of soaking it up because it is it's a, it sounds like a really weird thing to say but I know that you felt this before when we went to do the documentary we made with the proud lily whites I think it was maybe or or perhaps when we went back I can't remember what it would have been but it's almost something like re- sort of weirdly calmly spiritual about going and seeing the stadium quiet before the storm yeah it's, it's weird isn't it it's so strange, but on a like, it's one thing when you go for like a stadium tour or whatever. It's another thing on match day when you know that in four or five hours the whole thing's going to come alive and suddenly it's going to be fever pitch. Like, do you remember? Were you there for the City game last, uh, last season where we won one nil? Uh, the Nuno game, yes, I believe I was. I can't. And remember, there was like the flags. Everyone was waving flags at the beginning of the game, and the whole place was just like. It was incredible. Like it was so good. I, no, I wasn't at that game actually. I didn't. I, my first, funnily enough, my first game post COVID was. And I'm sorry. I know people say COVID's not over. I'm just saying. The, no, but the the, the lockdown. The main stuff. part of it, exactly. Yeah, it was. Um, ironically, it was Conte's first game that European game, but I hadn't booked it. Oh, mate, mind. the full the full Spurs experience. Yeah, I hadn't bu- <laughs> I, I booked it ages before that, and then suddenly, like, oh, right, I'm getting Conte's first game. Nice, that's pretty. Do cool. you want to know a fun fact on that? By the way, yeah. they um that that game they had because obviously we on in midweeks you've got to apply essentially to to put sixty two thousand people in the stadium. No, it was it was I can't even remember who was against. Can you remember who was against? Uh, it was a Dutch team, wasn't it? Um, was it Vitesse? Was it? I, I, I can't... That shows how bad my memory is. I'm clearly getting very old. But um, basically, because we didn't know Conte was going to be in the dugout, I think I don't think they'd applied yeah, to the full capacity of the game. No, we hadn't. It was top tier. Was so it was like, yeah, so it was like 30,000 people there. But it then became like the best ticket going. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you suddenly had a ticket to Conte's first game and it was this unbelievable ding dong I was in the um, south stand as well all of it you know what I mean and it, what, I think tickets were tenner or something like that you know oh, oh mate this season south stand like fully standing as well isn't it like actually permitted standing which will be incredible. Yeah. Like just amazing, like absolutely amazing. And and I suppose the the other thing for for this week that I'll be looking out for is um the fact that the back end of last season the atmosphere was so good at the stadium. You're kind of hoping that 
we just carry on where we left off. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, it's just it feels like there's a lot. It feels like there's a lot of pressure on this season, right? But I'm kind of I'm enjoying it. It's nice to be back here. Like I think times like this, you just got to embrace this because oh, totally. Past past couple of years have been pretty boring. You know, we've kind of just been a middle of the road side, just hoping to get into you know into Europe really. Um, now we're kind of we're a Champions League team that if you know we play our cards right and I kind of feel that Liverpool and City might be in the transitionary periods that they're in I don't see why there's no reason that Spurs can't also be in the mix for having a really really special season you know and I, I honestly truly believe that I'm not just trying to sort of, no, I'm with sort you, of mate. pump the feeling for the sake of it and getting ahead of myself I, I really think there's something quite special going on at Spurs and it, it could be something to remember but there's no point being scared there's no point being scared of the Arsenal fans and what they might say if we don't do it if we just, just live it just enjoy it it's what fucking football is supposed to be about this culture of kind of being scared of being hopeful about your team's prospects is totally to me like there's always been a bit of like kind of anxiety oh don't jinx it I get that but I think it's so heightened now because of social media yeah that you just kind of you just got to let it go a bit because at the end of the day what's the worst thing that's going to happen like literally the worst thing that's going to happen I mean, I mean, the worst thing it could happen is that Tottenham could get relegated and Arsenal could win the league. But <laughs> in in more in, in more in reality, what you know, Spurs actually don't do that well this year. We finish sixth, Arsenal finish top four, and we just get some of the memes and stuff that we've done to them all summer. Oh, but then we go again. And what's what's just the point? It. Like you said, what is the point in bit like allowing yourself to go this deep on supporting your club, and then when it gets good, not just not just buying into the idea of surrender and just letting every single part of you just be completely overtaken by whatever happens on the day. Like that, that I, I think we go into this weekend and we, I think we'll probably pump Southampton. I think the, the atmosphere will be incredible. I think that the players will be chomping at the bit to get out on the pitch. Suddenly as well, there's competition for places. So imagine you're one of those players that suddenly has seen an exciting player come in over the summer and thinking, I need to, I need to, prove that I deserve a, a spot in this starting lineup. Think about Kulazewski, for example, who has now gone on to like this ridiculous level and he's suddenly got to prove that out of the three of them, it's not him who should be dropped if, if Richarlison was to get game time. I think he's going to fly this season. I think even just like you look at the midfield, suddenly Bentancur and Hoybier have got to go on a level because they're being challenged by Basuma. Like all of these things, to me, it's not a case of you should go, like, oh, well, what if this doesn't happen? What if we don't quite make it? Like, allow yourself to just believe a bit and dream a bit because for the first time in, in a long time, it feels like we're going into a season just with literally nothing in the way. It's, it's just a case of go out there and, and be the best version of ourselves and maybe this season is our season. And let's be honest, led by a man who ain't going to be saying to them, come on, lads, we might finish top four this year. We're led by a man that's said himself, I don't come here to finish top four and stuff. No. I want to win the league. And he's going to be drilling that into every single one of those players. We we looked dead in the water last season. I I didn't think for a second that even Antonio Conte was going to get us to finish top four. But the turnaround in that final kind of that final quarter of the season was absolutely remarkable. And it was it was unlike anything I've seen since the peak days of Pochettino a grit and a determination that Tottenham could get results over the line. And it's filled me with so much faith going into this year that 
we're not just we're not just going to be a team. We're not going to be doing it kind of half measures. We're a team that's going to be going out there to try and win the league. Oh, mate, Saturday three o'clock. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. I literally have like just. I, I so hope that they buy into everything that you just said around Conte. Like, because if they like, if the players show it and the fans show it, there's there's no reason. There's no reason why it can't be like. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to sit there on Saturday and bask it in. And if we get off to a flyer, watch the narrative start to just gently teeter towards, hang on a second, are Tottenham, are Tottenham in this? I'd, oh, it'd be amazing. Do you think, uh, do you, think you know, like Arteta did with that photographer, do you think there's any chance that Conte will get me in, a podcaster, to come and give a team talk to all the lads? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, oh man, I'm so excited for this weekend. I, like, it does, like we said at the top, does feel like there's been this perfect kind of, perfect little bit of a breather, a little bit of breathing space, which has allowed you to kind of refocus and get excited again about what this season's going to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm so desperate for it to go our way for once. Winning Champions League is 10, and so in comparison to that, I don't want to say England winning the World Cup, 6. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.